Welcome to the Training Expositors Podcast. This podcast exists to help the local church identify and equip teachers at every level. I am your host, Daniel Kurtz, and I'm glad you could join us today. All right, so the goal of this podcast, like like we say in the introduction, is, is to help local churches identify and equip teachers at every level. Um, specifically, the goal is to, to kind of create a system where churches can identify and train new, new elders and, and raise up elders. Um, and so um, there are lots of churches out there, there are, maybe your church is one of those, that face the problem of finding, identifying, training um, new elders. We recognize when we look at Scripture that a, a plurality of elders is is the bl- biblical structure. We see this in places like Acts twenty, where where Paul comes and meets with the um, the Ephesian elders, the group there, um, and he gives them some warnings and stuff. But we recognize this idea of the need for a plurality of elders, and so um, as a church comes to this understanding, we, we are faced with the question of, of how do we start the process of identifying elders, especially in like a smaller church, like the church that I pastor is a, is a small church. Um, on a good day right now, we average like 30 people. Um, and so how do you, how do you identify and, and train up, um, elders? Um, and so I, I talk to, to people a lot about this topic. Um, it's part of my doctoral study. Um, and so this is something I think about a lot. And, and this week I had a really fruitful conversation with a very dear brother in Christ on the subject. And as we were talking about it, he asked if I thought that potential elders should first be deacons or, or somebody for, for consideration for eldership should be a deacon. And, and the short answer to that is, is no. Um, but I think it does illustrate the importance of the question of, of where to start. And so today I want to start by looking at the difference between elders and deacons and, and why do I think that um, a potential elder sh- doesn't necessarily need to be a deacon. And so as we look at Scripture, particularly as we look at like First Timothy um, and Titus, we, we see these qualifications for elder. And one of the things that we see right off the bat that's interesting is that First Timothy gives qualifications for elders and deacons, whereas Titus will only give qualifications for elders. There are no qualifications for deacons in that list. Um, and when we look at these qualifications, we look at the, these qualifications, they're really quite similar. Um, for example, as we read through uh, read through Titus, we see, we see Paul writing um, to Titus. He says, if anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination, for an overseer as, a, as God's steward must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction and sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. Uh, so that's that's what Paul writes to Titus as, as the qualifications. Um, 1 Timothy has very similar qualifications for both elders and deacons. Um, the eldership qualifications, they start in, 
in uh, chapter 3, verse 1, it says, this, is a this saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if anyone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace or into the snare of a devil. So th those are the qualifications for the elder, and there, there's some um, important things in there. Um, a lot of them focus on character. A lot of them focus on um, the ability to lead in the community. And, and so, you know, um, he's, he's got to be well recognized in the community um, because if, if he's recognized in the community as a cheat or a liar or a drunkard, these things are, are going to be disqualifying because they'll bring discredit to the word of God. Um, verse 8 of 1 Timothy chapter 3 goes on to talk about deacons. Um, deacons must likewise be, be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mysteries of the faith with a clear conscience, and let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanders, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well, for those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. So um, right off the bat, we see some parallels like um, deacons and elders are both um, to be the husbands of one wife and manage their households well. Um, they have to have a clear conscience, not addicted to much wine, these kinds of things. Are there, there's a lot of parallels there. Um, but what you don't see in the qualifications for deacons is this prescription for teaching. So um, it, it, when we look at the wider example of Scripture, um, we could say that deacons are called to service and administration of mercy ministries. I'm thinking of places like um, Acts where the apostles called the first seven, um, Stephen being among them, to, to take over the ministering of, of food to the, the Greek uh, members of the church so that, that Paul and the or so not sorry, so that Peter and the other apostles can focus on the ministry of the word and prayer. Um, so deacons are called for this service and administration of mercy ministries, is kind of the definition I'm gonna go with. And elders are called to teach and to rule. Um, and to prayer for the church. And so this this is why I think that being a deacon is not a prerequisite or a requirement for, an, for being an elder. It's not a disqualification. Like if you are a deacon, it doesn't mean you can't be an elder. But being a deacon and being an elder are, are kind of fundamentally different things. Um, being, an, being an elder is, is about being a teacher, um, is about being somebody who governs through teaching. Um, and being a deacon is, is about being a, being of service. Um, and so there's a lot of overlap there, um, but there are fundamental differences. And so I don't think that um, an elder has to be a deacon first, but, but it, it brings us back to um, where we need to start. And I, I think we need to start with, with training teachers. 
So rather than looking directly for potential elders, what we should be looking for and what we must be looking for first is people who can teach or have a desire to teach in the church. And so um, we can we can start by looking for people who are just, you know, would you be interested in helping out with the kids ministry and, and you know, maybe um, being an, an assistant teacher there? Um, maybe this means we, we look at people and say, hey, you want to come participate in youth on Wednesday night? Uh, maybe you want to just lead the prayer meeting and, and be praying in that. Um, but this is not like a carte blanche thing where, hey, you want to be a teacher and you say yes, and now you're just good to go and we let you kind of run off on your own. Um, ta- uh, training needs to be a part of this. Um, they need to be taught. Um, so as we look at, at Scripture, we see, um, particularly in Titus's, um, or Paul's letter to Titus, we see this, this um, prescription that, those who are elders need to hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so they can give instruction and sound a doctrine. And, and so as we're looking for teachers, this is what we need to be training in. We should be training any, you know, um, pastors and elders in the church already should already be doing this as part of their, their regular duties um, as teachers, be teaching in sound doctrine. But when they're looking for people to raise up as teachers, sound doctrine needs to be a key part of this. So... We're seeking to raise up teachers um, and, and give them an opportunity to to teach and to be evaluated in that. Um, because it, it doesn't matter how much of a heart somebody has for Christ. It doesn't matter somebody's willingness to serve. It doesn't matter how good of a manager somebody is. If they cannot faithfully teach the Word of God, cannot faithfully teach in sound doctrine, um, then, then they cannot be qualified as an elder. And so... Our starting place needs to be with teachers. Are we looking at the people in our church that are in teaching roles? Are they qualified for those teaching roles? Are we training those people to be more effective teachers in the church? Um, As we talked about before on this podcast, um, the way we're kind of doing this at at our church right now is that we have um, kind of an ongoing regular meeting once a month with anybody that Um, might be a potential teacher in the church or has um, a desire for that um, or potential desire for that to come be a part of this this um, monthly training to to go through um, important things and so we read various books like this month we're reading um, a book on the the church on the status quo of the church Um, not because necessarily everything in the book is, is is perfect but because by reading this book we can look at Look at what it says and say, um, how does this uh, reflect sound doctrine? How does this reflect what we're doing in the church? The book we're reading this month is A Gentle Manifesto Against the Status Quo, um, The Prodigal Church by Jared C. Wilson. And so we're going we're gonna to read that this month, and we're going to be talking about it, and we're going to be asking questions like, um, how does this relate to Scripture? How does this relate to the sound doctrine that we, we hold far, fast to? Um and so as we raise up teachers in the church, we give them opportunities to teach. Then from that pool of people, then we can start to examine some of the other aspects of the qualifications, like getting to know this person. How does this person manage their house well? Um, somebody who just is teaching Sunday school or helping out um, with the youth and stuff like that may not 
may not have to fit those qualifications. Um, they may not have to be um, <clears throat> really good at managing their household or something like that. They may have kind of a little bit of a, a bad reputation. Although these qualifications are specifically for elders, we should be kind of applying them to all teachers. But they're kind of a little bit lessened, especially if you have somebody um, who, who's um, expressed interest in this and you've kind of got them in an, like an assistant teaching role. Um, this is a great opportunity to, to examine this person, to, to look at their ability in teaching, their gifting in teaching, and, and really kind of dig a little bit deeper. Um, so, so if you're looking to set up uh, a program, we're looking to find a way to, to identify potential elders, identify potential um, leadership in the church, the place we have to start is with identifying and, and raising up teachers. Uh, so maybe you set up a program like ours where you do once a month um, training, and, and you can even set that up if you have enough people that each time you come together for this, this training, you have one of the potential candidates, one of your potential teachers, or one of the people that are already teaching in your church teach that lesson um, or be the, the, you know, the facilitator of that. And so you have this kind of controlled environment where somebody is able to demonstrate their gifting in teaching. Uh, there's a lot of different ways you could do that. Um, the way that our church does it is not necessarily the end-all, be-all. Our church is really small. Um, a lot of people in our church uh, have very, very full schedules. They work, you know, work full-time jobs. A lot of people out here have farms, and those kind of require 24-7, um, 365 day commitments to, you know, care for the animals and, and the fields and stuff like that. And so, depending on your context, this is going to look a lot different. But the the need to focus on qualified teachers as the foundation for your eldership in the church ha has to be central. Um, an elder that cannot teach and that has no desire to teach has disqualified themselves from the office of eldership. Um, a lot of times, I think, um, churches hire people to the role of pastor, especially bigger churches can end up hiring people and calling them pastors um, when this person has, has no desire to teach, has, has no gifting in teaching, um, and even kind of refuses to teach because, hey, that's not my role. I was called to be the associate pastor, and I'm kind of running the admin side. Well, if, if you have the title pastor, if you have the, the, the calling to be an elder, then you, you need to have that ability to teach. And and some churches will say, well, we have a teaching elder for that. We have, we have a, you know, a senior pastor who does all the teaching. Well, that may be the case, but anybody in the office, anybody in the role of pastor and elder must be a teacher. That is one of the fundamental primary characteristics and qualifications of, of elders in the church. And, and if we're not holding our pastors, holding our elders to that standard, then we're doing them a disservice and we're not actually having them fulfill the role that they're called to. Um, that doesn't mean they have to be teaching constantly. Um, my hope for our church is that um, elders in our church will teach, um, will preach um, to the entire congregation at least twice a year and will be regularly involved in any of the other teaching in the church. Um, that doesn't mean that, that they're going to be the most amazing preachers in the world. Um, but none of us are, and, and if, and if preaching to the congregation required having the best teacher in the world, well, then the vast majority of us preachers and, um, would be out of a job. 
Um, I know certainly I would. Um, I, I think I do pretty good as a, in public speaking and preaching in general, but I also know I have a long way to go. Um, and, and I think that should be the attitude that most of us have, that we have this room to improve, but I think sometimes we, we get it twisted and go a little bit further the other way and think that, oh, if this person isn't as good as I am or better than me, then then they shouldn't have an opportunity to. And, and sometimes the people that we would consider for eldership kind of take it a little step farther and say, um, well, I'm not as good as the pastor that, that preaches on Sunday morning every week, um, and so I, I'm not really qualified to teach. And I think we need to take a step back and look and say, is is what this per, is the gifting of this person the measure of the gift of teaching in general? Um, so I think having this space where we're looking for teachers in the church, we're not necessarily looking for elders at this point. We're looking for teachers in the church. We're looking for people who who have a desire for this, who have some amount of gifting in it, and we're allowing them to develop those gifts. They'll be a lot more confident when they potentially get called into the role of eldership with the things that eldership requires, um, being able to teach, being specifically able to teach sound doctrine. Um, uh, I think an additional aspect of that with with the role of teaching is what Titus tells us about, not, not just that an elder is somebody that can teach, um, but also that they're able to rebuke those who contradict it. So this kind of gives us the idea that Somebody who is going to be a, a qualified elder in the church is somebody who is continually growing in their knowledge base, um, their ability to teach, but also to answer questions and to um, respond confidently to um, negative questions or to even contradictions and to call out false teaching as it arises. Um, so my encouragement to churches, specifically to elders and pastors, as they seek to to find new elders in the church is, is to kind of just take a step back. Um, don't worry about elders right now. Worry about building a system, building a program where you are regularly looking for and training new teachers. Provide them with opportunities to teach where, where their teaching can be evaluated. Like if your church has Sunday school, this is a great opportunity. Um, to allow somebody who who is is new to this process to kind of say, hey, here's a lesson. Um, here's a lesson for you know next month or in a few weeks or whatever. Um, prepare prepare this lesson. Come talk to me about it before you come you know present it. And um, if if they're doing well in that process, allow them to teach that lesson. And then you know give them feedback on that how, how that went. You know where did you go wrong? But also you know participate in the lesson and be be available there to correct any issues. Um, if your church doesn't have Sunday school, but you have like small groups or yeah, um, home groups or what, whatever you call them, I, the church that we went to previously called them path groups. Um, if you have that kind of structure, well then allow somebody um, who who you think is a potential teacher or somebody you want to see their their gift of teaching elevated and 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 grown. Um, allow them to do the same thing in that context. What is the lesson? What is the topic for discussion? Let this person be um, kind of an assistant teacher in that role for a little while. Um, the biggest thing I can say is do not rush this process. I think we get into the state where I need somebody to take over this class because I've got too much on my plate. I need a new teacher in the church because this other teacher left or died or moved away or whatever. 
Um, and we got to fill this place right away. Um, we need we need to ensure that that anybody that we're putting in the position of teaching, whether it be an elder or just somebody helping out with Sunday school and teaching a Sunday school class, we need to make sure that this person is genuinely qualified and ready for that. Make sure that there's oversight there. Um, and so as that process goes along, as you're patient, as you're watchful of these men, as they teach and as they share um, the faith that they have, as they, they learn and they grow in sound doctrine, well, then you have this kind of like farm league, if you will, if we use baseball terminology here, um, you have your, your, your AAA team to, to kind of pull up into the majors. Um, and it's not as big of a, a struggle to, to say, oh, we need we need another elder. Maybe this person needs to cycle out for a little bit. Um, maybe we just need um, to grow the eldership because our church is growing and we need more elders. If you have this kind of farm league system, this teaching system already in place where you're regularly training teachers, then elders are, are not going to be an issue anymore because you're going to have a, a group and a pool to, to, to draw from. Um, so that's my encouragement to you. Look for teachers. Uh, look for people to raise up to be teachers, to help them grow and their ability to teach. Watch them. Give them feedback. Watch them how they interact with their families, and elders will follow from that. I want to thank you for joining us today on the Training Expositors podcast. I hope this was encouraging to you. I hope it was enlightening to you. Uh, if you have any questions, you can visit our website at www.trainingexpositors.com. We have a blog on there as well that gets updated every Tuesday. This podcast gets uploaded every Thursday afternoon, evening. Um, the goal is to be about 5 o'clock, but schedules are kind of crazy sometimes. Um, so I look forward to hearing from you. I, I look forward to seeing how this podcast is helping you, helping your church. If you have any questions, please reach out. Have a blessed day in the Lord.